0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read Betside. It's College Football Betting Show. I'm your host, Reed Wallach. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach. Loaded, loaded show for you today. Some are calling this the slate of the year, slate of the decade. There is so much going on this week. Second time since 1993. There are three and 5-0 teams or better going at it this week. And that doesn't even count our marquee matchup, one I've had circled since the summer, USC traveling to utah in a pac-12 showdown and i thought we got to pull out all the big guns for this one so i went out and i poached uh the co-host of the reina troy podcast michael castillo and alicia de artolo castilla the great host of the reina troy radio show guys thank you so much for joining me on this fantastic slate i'm pumped to talk college football pumped to talk utah usc with you guys alicia i'll start with you how's it going thank you for joining
2: it's awesome. Thank you for having us. This is super exciting, and yeah, I'm I'm ready to to do some picks.
1: Yeah, great, Michael. How's it going, man? It's it's great. I'm glad to be here. This is a hell of a week, like you like you said, and plenty to talk about for sure. Yeah, this is you know you're going to start to see the cream rise to the
0: crop now. You got these undefeated matchups, and this week is going to help settle not just conference pictures in the Pac-12, SEC, Big Twelve, all over, but. The college football playoff picture is going to look a little bit cleaner after this week. A few teams going to drop out of the race, in my opinion. So we'll circle back to our Alabama, Tennessee, our TCU, Oklahoma State, all that stuff. And let's start, though, with the Pac-12, Utah and USC going at it. And for those that watch the early read, they know that I don't believe in USC. I do not buy it. I don't buy this. You know, you could import all these talented players, and you could build a college football playoff contender in one season. Uh I have been a Utah believer, though, and they didn't look so great against UCLA, kind of their first real road test since the loss of Florida. So kind of all over the place on Utah. USC, meanwhile, just continue to chug it out, chug it along. Easy covers left and right, you know, looks a little easy in the box score. Um, Guys, I want to ask you, because you guys cover USC, of course, what does the national audience need to know? Besides your Caleb Williams is awesome and Lincoln Riley's a great play caller. What's maybe something under the radar that is driving this USC hype train going into Utah?
1: You gotta look at the defense. USC's defense mm-hmm. is this weird enigma in that they're 105th in rush defense by yards per carry. That looks terrible, right? Yeah. Yet you you look at the splits and uh, they are allowing half the rushing yards in the second half versus the first half. They're a team that makes a ton of uh, second-half adjustments. They haven't allowed a passing touchdown in the second half. They are holding teams of six points in the second half, uh, lead the country in turnovers in sacks. Um, incredibly opportunistic. They're led by Tuli right. Tullipalotu on, on the defensive line, who leads the nation in sacks. And so they're a little bit unorthodox in that they're going to bend and don't break. They're going to – give you a whole bunch of you know opportunities to gain yards between the 20s. But when you have a top five red zone defense on top of a defense that makes havoc plays, you can, you can afford to win a bunch of games and ultimately you see that with uh, a bunch of covers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and
2: that, yeah. That's been the story of the season is, is I think a lot of people thought that this team, we, we have a joke about how we would just be fine if USC had been big, big 12 bad for a little while, and we were always very frustrated because the offense was never explosive enough in the past when it felt like the offense should carry the team and that if the defense was going to suck, the defense was going to suck. And it felt in the first two weeks of this season that we might truly get a Big 12 bad USC team. And then the the defense just decided to turn this, the turnover luck is going to slow down Mm. narrative on its head because the last you know two weeks that they haven't gotten turnovers they've they've done it by really just tightening things up in the second half and proving that it it wasn't necessarily a fluke that we saw from them preventing teams from scoring you know more than 20 points more often than not it it really is what this defense might be and now the flip side the surprise of the season is that if there's a concern around USC back on offense because the offense as scary as it is at times as immensely talented as the players that transferred in are there's big questions about the offensive line injuries have hit in the worst possible spots and now it it, uh it, it does feel like usc is relying on caleb williams to be superman when that's not the position you necessarily want necessarily want to be in. If you want to be a true contender, you're going to win a lot of games with Caleb Williams being Superman, but you're not going to win the big games uh, if, if he's having to scramble for his life. So it's this weird flip that's happened for USC yeah. going into this Utah game.
0: Two excellent points. I was going to point to the defense has been better. I think than expected still best mm-hmm. turnover margin in the country by a wide margin, uh, 14 plus 14 in terms of turnover. So USC, listen, they're opportunistic. Sometimes it's a skill. Sometimes it's luck. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. And the offensive line has some issues that is going to be tested against a Utah defense that is young, maybe not as good as your typical Utah defense under Kyle Whittingham, but there's still talent on that roster. They're going to be home. And, you know, we saw it last year too. Utah kind of stumbled out of the gates, and then they picked it up as the season went along. Maybe it's not the same script, but this is a Utah team that typically gets better as the season goes on. One question before we get into breaking down the Utah-USC game. Maybe this is a more eye test for me, but it feels like USC, this is not what we expected from this offense. Yes, it's explosive, but they one play very methodically. They are not trying to run up and down the field and get to a track meet. They're trying to basically march down the field slowly. But it feels like they're putting themselves in a lot of third and long situations. And Alicia, you pointed to it. It's kind of Caleb Williams sometimes having to be Superman. Do you think that is a sign of concern to come, or you think that's just a product of the offense right now? And it's, they're playing four downs, you know, this is an aggressive fourth down team. They're playing four down territory. So they're not okay being, they're okay being behind the sticks on third down.
2: Yeah. And, and that's exactly what, uh, what worries me is that the offensive line is forcing Caleb Williams to scramble, not having ton of success on first and second down necessarily. And then it's a, it's a, you know, Superman play on third down. Mm. It does feel like defenses have figured out that they just need to keep things in front of them because you'd rather force USC into being a methodical offense than getting burned over the top, which we saw in the first couple of weeks USC was capable of doing. They haven't been as explosive in recent weeks. In fact, there were a couple weeks in there where they weren't getting any explosive plays in the passing game, and it was a concern. The saving grace there, though, is that USC's... Offensive line might be questionable in in pass protection at times, but Travis Die and the running game has been excellent when USC has been willing to lean on them. And I guess that's the big question that I have for this team going forward, because in the second half against Washington State, it felt like there was a, a directive, we're just going to lean on Travis Die, and that's going to be the way that we go. And then things settle down for USC's offense. Will USC be willing to lean on their run game more often to open up things in the passing game, which is, I think, a script that you wouldn't have expected. Lincoln yeah. Riley's offense does rely on the run game, but I almost expected the pass game to open things up for the run game. It's got to be the reverse, and Riley and the the team has to be willing to put the game on Travis Dye's shoulders instead of Caleb Williams' shoulders more often for things to be, I think, more steady and less... The up and down roller coaster of will Caleb make a play on this on this play, and I'm not sure that they're willing to do that yet. So, it's a mystery.
0: Yeah, let's we'll see, Michael. Any other thoughts before we talk specifically Utah USC on kind of the Trojan how this season's gone? Anything betters need to know about this team heading into the big matchup?
1: No, no. I think if anything, just to go off those points, yeah. SC has been more methodical. We thought they'd be more explosive. If anything, to me, I think that kind of bodes well down the line. We know that this team is battle-tested. They had to pull one out against Oregon State, but they did. They had to make adjustments against Arizona State, and they did. They had to make adjustments against Washington State, and they did. When teams have played too high safety to take <laughs> away the big play, they've still gone methodically, and they've always had an answer for everything. You wa- Obviously, you want to see the big 60-point offense like we saw in Week 1 against Rice. We haven't seen that again, and... At some point, you're, you're going to you know, want to see that more consistently. But I think the diversity in the offensive style, I think, could pay dividends long-term. What that means in the betting game, I, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. We got USC going to Rice-Eccles Stadium to take on Utah. Uh, market currently around like Utah juiced minus three, small minus three and a half favorite. Total pushing 64 and a half currently. So high total. Utah's favored. And I mean, I've been saying that I'm back in Utah in this spot. This is where I thought USC gets, you know, tripped up or something, even though I thought it could happen earlier in the season. Um, the market also agrees though, they are not giving USC a top 10 team. They're not giving them any credit really here. They're saying Utah is probably the better team on a neutral, despite two losses already this season. I'd say Utah has had the tougher schedule to date. I think we could all agree on that, whether they yeah. won or lost, tougher schedule. Um, so Alicia, I'll start with you. Cause you're looking at the side here. Do you think USC is capable of going on the road? Because we saw their first real road test. I don't really count Stanford as a competitive team. Oregon state, I think is closer to the middle of the pack. They struggled in Corvallis. You know, they were lucky to pull that game out. I think Caleb Williams had a few incredible plays on the stretch going to Utah though, is not any easier. This is only going to get harder for them. And this is a Utah team off a loss, very well-disciplined, um, we see the comments coming in with Utah love Alicia. Are you going to go against the Trojans or are you uh, going to ride with your team?
2: I really would love to pick USC. I'm actually closer to picking USC than I have been at any point this entire year. Okay. This has always been circled for me as a loss because going to Rice Eccles has been the doom of of many a USC team. Utah, even after watching them get Really exposed by UCLA in a way that I was not expecting. They're a different team at home. I, I think that it's no surprise to me that Utah's two losses are both on the road, and that is the 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 thing that's causing me to not go forward with USC because if this was at the Coliseum, I would be talking about how Utah's run defense is 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 suspect at this point, and what I just talked about earlier. USC could go in here and and lean on Travis Dye in a way that I wouldn't have predicted a a few months ago and that USC's defense looks like they are opportunistic and do create havoc and Utah's offense doesn't always have it Utah's offense is suspect uh when it comes to to being sort of um tripped up and Mm -hmm. that would have tempted me to pick USC in this game But Rice-Eccles is a different story. Utah is a different team there. And USC, so far, has not been strong on the road. You you mentioned that Stanford's not a road test. I would agree, but that's one of the worst games USC's played this year. The worst games that USC has played this year were the two games on the road, Oregon State and Stanford. And that was the worst that the defense looked. That was uh, a second half where the offense looked like they just completely forgot how to play football. And that was at Stanford, you know? And Oregon State was a was a step up in terms of atmosphere, but that was also an Oregon State crowd that was limited because of construction at Research Stadium. That was a what was it like twenty thousand capacity in there, and USC was surprised by the the, the atmosphere. Well, Rice Eccles is not under construction and will not have just twenty thousand raucous fans there, and it'll be a whole other environment. And I I really want to believe in USC. But I also fear that atmosphere more than I trust that this USC team will have an offensive line that isn't causing them problems or a defense that could fall behind in the first half because things just catch up to them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Utah in this game.
0: Okay. Okay. So going against the, uh, going against your side here, Michael, where are you leaning in this game? Uh, like I said, Utah round minus three, minus three and a half favor, depending where you look total 64 range, 64,
1: 65. Yeah. I, I think that there's a million reasons to be skeptical of, of USC, Absolutely. And Utah, the same thing. I mean, Cam rising hasn't looked this, like the same cam rising we saw down the stretch last year. Uh, Utah definitely struggled against uh, UCLA last week at the Rose Bowl, but mm-hmm. to to me, this is going to be a low-scoring affair. We've seen it. Uh, you mentioned how SC wants to be methodical, and when things when when pushes come to shove, and th- so far this year, Lincoln Riley has been totally fine with doing that. So if anything, I'm sort of big on the under here. Like the these are the top two scoring defenses in the Pac-12. SC first at 18. 0.7 points per game. Utah's only allowing 19. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, SC allowing six points in the second half. I think you kind of put this all together and this ends up being that tight struggle fest uh, and it comes down to who wants to run the ball more. Uh, SC has been reluctant to do that. So until that happens, I'm sort of leading Utah in that sense.
0: Yeah, I uh, we're looking similar fashion here. I'm going to be on the first half under in this one. A few things brought me to this. Like we said, neither team is running that fast. USC's in the 80s in terms of seconds per play. Utah's outside the top 100. So both teams are going to play slow. I do think both teams are going to lean on the run. And neither team has been explosive. We look at these scoring offenses, but it's more efficiency than explosiveness. No team is above the national average in terms of explosive pass or run rate. So I think this is going to be conservative. I think it's going to be buttoned up early. Also something to keep in mind. USC special teams has been a problem SP plus outside the top 100 in terms of special teams. I was mentioning that it feels like this could be a perfect spot for something like turnover regression to hit or bad kicking game where like, that's what gets USC that kind of all comes to a head really quickly. So I think early in this game, you know, one or two stops, this game is off the track. I mean, total first half total of like 32, 33. I'm I like that first half under I was able to bet Utah very early. That number's long gone. If it got back under three, I like Utah. I'm, you know, I my number's like right around three. I don't like Utah as much as I wish I did going into this game. I think that there are concerns on the Utah defense, but Alicia really hit the nail on the head. Rice-Echo Stadium is a different monster for this Utah team. They're going to be fired up. Awful loss also. You're probably getting even more focused. Maybe they're looking ahead to this matchup. I lean the Utah side. I like the under a lot. I think first half under is the way I'm going to play it, though. I think we see a super, super conservative first half. One stop, you know, someone goes for it in like, you know, the 30s in the green zone. All of a sudden, this total is way off whack. So I like the under with two, not as explosive offenses um, that you think. But awesome breakdown on USC Utah there. That was awesome. Like, just to recap real quick, Alicia's taking Utah minus three. Michael's on the under 64 and a half, and then I am taking the first half under 33. Make sure you're shopping around, though, because those numbers are going to be on the move all week long. So we're sticking to Pac-12, though, because you guys are Raina Troy uh, Radio. Make sure you like and subscribe to them on YouTube, but you guys are Pac-12 first. You know, we got to make sure we get your Pac-12 fixing. So I want to start with Alicia here. Look at the Colorado-Cal game. Maybe not the most appetizing game on the board with a low total, but at least he's got a best bet there, so let's hear about it.
2: Colorado is extremely bad. They They are horrendously bad, historically bad. And Cal is the definition of a meh team. Like, there's just not much nice to say about Cal, but at least they're not Colorado, who is very, and I cannot stress this enough, very bad. So yes, I'm taking Cal and Colorado under 48.5 because Cal is not an explosive offense mm. and Colorado is not going to score points against Cal's defense. This is the this is going to be the definition of like a 24 to 3 game that only the sickos watch and I might be a sicko so I might watch <laughs> it, but 40 I cannot imagine these two teams combining for 40 points let alone 48 points. That's just like uh, yeah i take it
0: Strong <laughs> conviction there michael yes. what do you got here you're looking at another total uh maybe the complete opposite though as the colorado Cowboy. what do you see in arizona washington
1: yeah arizona is going on the road to husky stadium at washington it's an afternoon game but this is all the makings of pac-12 afternoon i guess uh, the over is hit in five of five of six washington games uh, sort of look for Michael Penix to bounce back, even though he struggled or, uh, UW struggled last week on yeah. the road at ASU in the loss. He's still a lock for 300 yards and a few touchdowns. Washington just gave up 45 points to a team led by a backup quarterback at ASU. Arizona has a bunch of young stud receivers in Cowan, Singer, and McMillan. A lot of points over here with, uh, the over on at, uh, 73.
0: Yeah, Cowing is an NFL player, in my opinion. Big transfer from UTEP. Uh, Delora's been slinging it. You know, I think Washington probably wins two touchdown favorite, but, like, getting Arizona playing from behind probably helps that get over because they're going to get their quota. We saw it against Oregon last week. I think final score was 49-22 or something. Again, over, something in that range. So, over again, though. So, um, don't hate either of those plays for two separate reasons. I'm looking at another total, though. Oregon State, Washington State, under 53-and-a-half. Those that watched the early read last week, we took the Oregon state over because they're playing Stanford more on that game in a little bit, but you know, chance Nolan didn't play with a neck injury. He's still a game time decision and the total got all out of whack. Um, I lost my bet early in the week. It dropped all the way down to 53 went over that number. I like Washington state though. Um, I like their defense a lot. They're also playing without Nikia Watson. They're starting running back. He got hurt in the USC game and um, mm-hmm. Renard bell has 20 catch on the year. He's going to be out too. So I think this Washington state offense is going to struggle Oregon state rush, heavy approach. I think Washington state is going to benefit after the USC game. That run defense is going to look a little bit better than it did against USC. Uh, Oregon state likes to play slow um, outside the top 100 plays per minute. I think that, you know, 28, 27 last week, whether it's Nolan or it's the backup again, I don't see a big difference. So I like the under 53 and a half. So three totals in the pack 12, um, to recap really quick, Alicia has taken the under 48 and a half in Cal, Colorado. Michael's going the complete opposite way, taking the over 73 in Arizona, Washington. And I'm going back to the under train. I'm going to take Washington state, Oregon state under 53 and a half. There's our pac 12 bets. And now we're going to talk some underdogs. Uh, we're going to bring up one of the marquee matchups in this segment, but I mean, there's, you know, you're starting to see some separation of teams and a lot of spreads get blown out. Um, And I want to mention also a ton of quarterback uncertainty this week. If you are betting, make sure you keep an eye on some of the quarterback news. I think there's like 10 to 12 starting quarterbacks that are game time decisions heading into this week. So make sure, you know, before you're betting, you know, why is this line where it is? You know, there's a ton of injury concerns there. But Alicia, I want to start with you. Big 12, Iowa State, Texas. Uh, What are you thinking here?
2: Yeah, Iowa State, I got them plus 16 and a half. That just feels like an absurd line to me. It feels like an overreaction to the offense that we saw from Texas against Oklahoma. And the one thing we know from the trend for Oklahoma is that their defense has absolutely just collapsed. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we're going to see the kind of numbers from Texas against Iowa State, a team that has a legitimate defense that's limited Kansas and and Kansas State to – paltry paltry offensive outputs uh, in losses so yes you might be tempted you see the three and three record for Iowa State and go "Uh, we don't know about this but their defense is showing up week to week and I think that Quinn Ewers is still a freshman quarterback Texas is still a team that I have questions about and I'm not ready to jump on that train yet just because they obliterated an Oklahoma team that I think we can all agree looks like the saddest thing that you've ever seen, and and we've all watched Nebraska football over the last couple of years. Like, what's happened to Oklahoma feels like a, a just a, a once in a lifetime event for their collapse, and Texas is gonna is gonna I think have a little bit of a rude awakening against Iowa State. That doesn't mean they're gonna lose, but six and a half points that's that's giving too many points.
0: Yeah, bad. This is, I don't know if I'm going to go Iowa state or I'm going to take the under, but I like where your head's at with this bet with Iowa state as an underdog. This is a spot. They thrive in Matt Campbell as a coach 34 and 20 against the spread as an underdog. So this guy thrives in this role of dog, you know, plays super slow. Um, it looks like max workout. He's looking to jump on the Texas train, but this is a really fat and happy spot for the longhorns. They just absolutely boat raced Oklahoma last week. Their biggest rival I believe I saw it was the biggest margin in the Red River showdown history, you know, 49-nothing. So they also play at Oklahoma State next week. You can maybe get Texas looking ahead, maybe a little, you know, looking ahead. while well, it's a sandwich spot. I think that Iowa State, whether it's the under a total around like 49 and a half, or them staying within this big, big number of 16 and a half. Iowa State wants to play slow. Three, three, five defense is going to keep everything in front of them. I I don't hate this play at all. Michael, I'm a Wisconsin grad. I don't know if you can see the helmet behind me, but there I am. Uh, you're looking Big Ten, though, not Wisconsin, but you're looking yeah. at Illinois, Minnesota. What are you seeing here?
1: Or sort of similar, Brett Bielema, right? Like it's not not yeah, too dissimilar. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all the same. I, Big Ten football. So <laughs> I'm taking Illinois at at plus six and a half. Um, the, the line is just continuing to get bigger with, with the uncertain status of Tommy DeVito at quarterback, and, and rightfully so. like There's a lot of underdogs that, like you mentioned, that have quarterback issues. Kentucky, NC State, the, the list goes on. Yeah. I kind of like Illinois here because it's a Big Ten game. It's Brett Bielema. The thing's going to get ugly in Champaign. I like Minnesota a lot, especially with Tanner Morgan kind of having a bye week to come off of that Purdue loss. But there's just something about a a grudgy Big Ten West game in uh in, in Champaign that this this feels like something that's a little bit closer than six and a half for me for the for the uh Atlanta.
0: Oh yeah. I mean total under 40. I mean totals 39 and a half before we got on the show. So there, you know, there's points are gonna be at a premium here. We saw last week nine six Illinois beat Iowa, but yeah. I agree with you. The Tommy DeVito injury is going to be a big one here because uh, Satowski came in for him last week, and it was, it was brutal to watch. I think he averaged like three and a half yards per pass attempt. So, I mean, it's going to be gross. But, again, that's where the underdogs become valuable with a low total. So, maybe a game with, you know, maybe a few more points scored than uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Tennessee, Alabama. Uh, I'm going to take the balls at plus seven and a half. Um I've not been the biggest Alabama believer in terms of, like, are they the best team in the country? I think that's probably either Ohio State or Georgia. But we imagine Bryce Young is going to play, right? He, I imagine he plays. Is he 100%? Not certain on that. We'll see. Didn't play last week, and we, you know, we saw him kind of struggle with Texas A&M. If Bryce Young's going to play, though, the weakness of this Tennessee defense is in the secondary. And if Bryce Young's shoulder isn't 100%, he can't get that vertical passing game going. It's not going to look pretty because Tennessee's best part of the defense is on the defensive line. They are top 10 in rush yards allowed. They are 17th in defensive line yards. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bryce Young to perform with a sprained AC joint. Maybe he looks 100% in Alabama looks great, but this Tennessee offense looks like a wagon. I mean, they went to LSU. A, you know, we'll call it above average national defense. They hung 40 on them. Hendon Hooker's under um, – control of this offense. I think they're going to get back Cedric Tillman who had a um, you know, he had the tightrope ankle procedure to make sure he was back from his high ankle sprain. Uh, I think he's going to be able to go. We'll see. It's worth monitoring but over a touchdown with the Alabama questions. I like the Vols. I, you know, this is, I want to give a, you each a chance to comment because this is one of the bigger games on the card. Two top 10 teams. Uh, do you guys think the Vols are live or is this like classic hyped up program meets Alabama and gets smoked? Alicia, I'll start with you.
2: That's sort of where I'm leaning. Yeah. I I I think that there's a there's the sort of the the head and the heart with this pick. I think everything you lay out is the perfect brain argument for why Tennessee has a chance in this, and and I agree with every single point. I too am skeptical of Alabama. I Bryce Young, even if he's there, I he's not going to be at his best. There's no way yeah. he's at his best. But my heart says do not go against Nick Saban. Just don't do it. I don't care what they look like against Texas A&M. I don't care what they look like against Texas. This is still Alabama, and this is still Tennessee. So I I, I, I would lean with my heart here and, and still just go with Alabama. And if Tennessee pulls this off, then that is the statement of the year for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, Michael. I appreciate Alicia also saying like my handicap was there, like the brain was in it. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the argument was there. I crafted a sad argument. Whether it comes true or not, I can only do so much. But yeah. uh Michael, uh, do you think Tennessee's live for an upset? Do you think they could keep it close? Where are you seeing here?
1: I, I absolutely do. I think that we've seen many a Tennessee team in the past where we wondered is you know, much like Texas and, and, and Florida State and, and Miami, the whole is are they back thing, right? And Tennessee's had a bunch of opportunities to show that they are a fraud uh, they, they beat Florida they absolutely murdered LSU this past week um, if anything Alabama struggles with with Texas and A&M kind of play too much into it where I think that that Tennessee is a very good uh, a very good uh, pick there
0: yeah uh, so yeah there are underdog best bets got one more segment to hit on but let's quickly recap. Alicia's taking Iowa state plus 16 and a half against Texas. Michael's going with Illinois at home, catching six and a half against Minnesota. And then I going against Bama. I'm going against Nick Saban. We'll see how that goes. I'm taking Tennessee plus seven and a half against Alabama. There are underdog bets. Uh, Something we like to do on the show. I know you guys are on the West coast, so this might not apply as well, but some late night action, some prime time, seven 30, eight o'clock, maybe a little bit later. Um, But I know, there's two bets in the same game. So I'll start with Alicia. You're looking at Clemson, Florida state really interesting game. One of the more underrated ones with this loaded slate, but what are you seeing? Uh, Knowles tigers, uh, from Tallahassee.
2: Yeah. The, the way that you have talked about USC this year and not trusting them and expecting them to stumble at some point. That's me with Clemson. I don't trust this Clemson team, but they force me to, start to give them some respect because they they did beat Wake Forest, they did beat NC State. They get Florida State the next contender to potentially be the one to trip them up, to be the one that exposes them as like frauds, which I've been waiting for this entire time. And I wish I trusted Florida State more enough to be able to take like a a a, a spread pick on this. But the one thing I do think is Clemson's defense is going to control this game i don't like 51 and a half points as an as an over I, I i feel very comfortable going with the under here it's gonna be a little bit of a dogfight i think and as much as i would love to see florida state pull off this uh this this upset here i think that more likely it's gonna be clemson in, in a in a little bit of a, a low scoring kind of who's gonna hand the ball who's gonna hand the win to the to the other team kind of game
0: yeah yeah, Florida State, brutal loss last week to NC State, uh, Jordan Travis. They were in field goal range through an inexplicable interception. One of the worst decisions I've ever seen. I was watching live. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, two straight losses for the Noles. This line opened over a touchdown. Uh, you know, Clemson Bear by over a touchdown. Now it's, you know, trending towards a field goal. So a lot of interesting movement there. I don't hate the underplay. Michael, you're looking at Maybe not the, as exciting as you think Stanford-Notre Dame is, but Notre Dame's looking a lot better as of late. Uh, now that Drew Ply is getting you know, settled into being the quarterback, what are you seeing here uh, between the Irish and the Cardinal?
1: Yeah, there's no reason to watch this game for true football reasons. Notre Dame and, and Stanford uh, is a rivalry that I think that we all want more from, um, and this is a Stanford team that we surely want more from. Uh, they're one and four against the spread. One and four outright. Haven't beat an FBS team. Coming off of a embarrassing final second loss to Oregon State last week, an Oregon State team with a backup quarterback. Yep. Now they're going to play a Notre Dame team who is finding their quarterback in Drew Pine. Stanford has o- already gotten burned by Caleb Williams and Michael Penix. They've had uh, tough road tests at Washington and at Oregon with double digit. uh, as double-digit dogs, and they got beat both times and couldn't cover. So this only adds more to it. You go back to South Bend for the Irish after two big wins at at North Carolina and then the Shamrock Series against BYU. There is no way that the Irish don't have a really coming-out party in the, the rejuvenation of that program this year after the tough September. So I like Notre Dame ginormous in this game. Right, yeah, Stanford.
0: Lane, yeah, Lane seventeen. I am looking same area. I'm gonna go over though. This is this is my Stanford over trend. It, I watch these games and David Shaw, whether he's ahead or behind, he's trying to go over. And you know, catching seventeen. <laughs> we saw this against Oregon, playing through the bitter end. I was up till three a.m. watching that, and he kicked the field goal down. I think like twenty four points or twenty one points for no reason whatsoever. There were four minutes left, so David Shaw's pushing. The pace at the end of games, especially in blowouts, which is going to be huge for an over this low. Uh, 52 and a half. I got, I think there's 53s. I still like it up to 55. Um, a few nuggets just to help this out. But Notre Dame probably should have scored more against BYU last week. Michael, you're talking coming out party. It should have been last week. I mean, 28 yeah. to 20 final, but they were 92nd percentile over the last two seasons in success rate. They got stopped inside the five twice. They settled for a field goal one time, didn't score another time. So You're now going up against a Stanford defense line that is garbage. One of the worst in the power five. I think Notre Dame's going to run all over them. Both teams top 20 in special teams. And also Notre Dame's defense maybe could let Stanford hang around in this game, at least early. Um, Bottom 10 in the country in red zone, touchdown percentage. So when teams get in close, they are converting them into six. So I like over 53, up through 55. There's our uh, late night, prime time-ish type thing. Let's pull up that recap graphic. Yep. So we got under 51 and a half in Clemson, Florida state for Alicia. Michael's taking Notre Dame laying the 17 against Stanford. And then I'm taking the over 52 and a half in that Notre Dame Stanford game. So before we get to a few questions in the comments, we have a bunch of games that we want to go through rapid fire. I have three more bets guys. I'm just going to go through really, really fast right now. We'll start with one game, another marquee match between undefeated teams. Uh, Michigan laying six and a half, seven against Penn state. We'll call it seven for this sake. Um, I like Michigan in this game. Haven't really believed in Penn state. And I know people are a little concerned with Michigan, how they've looked against a little bit step up in competition, the big 10, but Penn state, I don't see it at all. I still don't trust Sean Clifford. They don't really have vertical threats outside of Tinsley. And I think this Michigan defense is going to outperform what they've looked like the past few weeks. I think that this has been more of a, Elongated preseason more than anything. We've seen JJ McCarthy start to find his legs um, and his comfortability as a passer. Second half completed over 80% of his passes, two touchdowns against Indiana. It's Indiana, but it's still, you know, you got to get those reps in for a dynamic quarterback like that. So I like Michigan laying the seven. I don't trust this Penn State team going on the road. Um, I think Michigan takes care of business. Another big 10 game, Nebraska plus 13 and a half against Purdue. This hit 14 yesterday. I like it down to 11 and a half. Uh, great situational spot for Nebraska. Purdue beat Minnesota as dogs. Uh, they beat Maryland as dogs. And now they have Wisconsin next week. Nebraska now has big favorites. I don't see it at all. Uh, Purdue pass happy offense. And Nebraska secondary is actually pretty solid. 29th and explosive pass defense. So I think they can hang around in this game. Purdue can't really run the ball. So I like Nebraska getting two scores. And last one, a weeknight play. We are going to take the over in SMU Navy over 57 and a half Navy can't defend the pass. That's all SMU wants to do. Top five in uh place per minute. They're really trying to just go and air the ball out. Um, and the Navy offense coming along nicely um, hung 50 plus on Tulsa last week. Don't hear that much from an air, uh, a triple option team, but you know, we bet Navy last week because Tulsa's defensive line is terrible <laughs> outside the top 100 defensive line yards. SMU has a similar problem. 82nd in defensive line yards, not 89th in rush yards allowed per game. So I think, you know, you could see SMU push 40. You could see Navy push, you know, high 20s. This game goes over 57 and a half. So there's a few more best bets uh for the slate. Alicia, Michael, do you guys have anything else before we answer a few questions?
2: I'm I'm with you on Michigan. Uh, I think that the, right. the the Michigan has looked like slogging through the sort of big 10 slate and and so they're sort of lulling people to sleep as as far as well are they a good team you get them against penn state and they're gonna they're gonna explode this is not a game that they're gonna go into feeling like it's a routine kind of game this is the this is a game that's gonna get them up and so yes i 100 um i think you're (laughs) nebraska i i put no faith in so (laughs) <laughs> have have fun with that one, but uh, yeah, I'm with you at Michigan. Doing.
0: Yeah,
1: Michael, what do you think? I I want to see what Penn State can can do here. I think it's a really interesting opportunity. Like, I feel like the last couple of years, uh, things have kind of faded with with the uh, Nittly Lions as putting everything together for James Franklin. This is the opportunity to put up or shut up. And uh, Michigan has been very solid. Struggled with Indiana last week, but finished at the end. So. Uh, I sort of lean Michigan there, but I, I, I could I could go either way. Uh, one game that I, I did want to mention here is uh, Kansas and, uh, and and OU, uh, the Sooners' touchdown favorites in Norman. I, I know there's quarterback issues with Jalen Daniels at, at, at Kansas and Dylan Gabriel at OU, but the, the Sooners were just atrocious last week. On defense, on offense, with all the insistence on, on working with the wildcat stuff, there is no way I would touch the Sooners at, the, at this point. I think they're toxic.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And even if Gabriel comes back, the Oklahoma defense is the real problem. And, you know, they're down to, I think I saw four scholarship linebackers. This is a razor, razor yeah. thin defense. And, you know, Jason Bean came in for Kansas last week and was slinging it all over the yard. I mean, he, he was looking all right. So, I mean – Maybe with an extra week of practice, it doesn't look like Jalen Daniels is going to play. Um, I, I do. I think it's Kansas or pass. Maybe, you know, I saw right before we hopped on, I saw Daniels was called doubtful. So this line's probably going to creep towards Oklahoma the whole way. So maybe wait out on the opposite of the early read, the late read uh jump in on Kansas um at a big number. I, I think they could hang around. There's just like good mojo with Kansas. I don't yeah. buy they lost their bubbles kind of burst. I, I think um, Kansas can hang around and then, I saw a few questions about this game. I want to make sure we talk about it. another big 12 game TCU, Oklahoma state. Um, I've been clamoring for the TCU hype. It is now finally here. People are believing in um, uh, Jerry knows uh, the early readers are ready for the frogs at the top 10. I agree. I, I think that they're going to beat Oklahoma state going away in this one uh, spread out to three and a half. If you want to look like last week, TCU team total over, not a bad look if it's below 35 and a half, I think still good. Oklahoma State's defense, you know, I know they won and covered against Texas Tech last week. I was also against a third string quarterback who has no experience and the defense was on the field for over a hundred plays. This defense is going to be exhausted and this is a TCU offense that does not let up. They've scored more than 38, 38 or more points in every game this season. Um, I like the Horn Frogs a lot in this spot. I think that they're going to take care of Oklahoma State will be an exciting game. A lot of points going to be scored, but the Oklahoma State defense gives me a lot of concern for this one. So, I like the horn frogs, whether it's the spread or their team total over, which would be, you know, below 35 and a half is pretty good. Do you guys have any thoughts on that one? Alicia, I'll start with you.
2: Put some respect on, on Max Duggan's name. I, yeah, think it's right? Duggan. I was just, I was just sort of freaking out. Like, is it Duggan though? I'm pretty sure it's Duggan. <laughs> um, he's been amazing this season. He's been outstanding. He he has gone to town on every defense he's faced so far. So yeah, I'm with you on I'm with you on TCU. That's this team is is proving itself week in and week out. It's time to start giving them some respect.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the, on the the frog? the OU win was was huge. I I think for Oklahoma State. I mean, I I didn't care for the defense last week against Texas Texas Tech, and it's only going to get worse this week against TCU. So yeah, I'm with you on the frogs.
0: Yeah, I, I think this has to be – I know the spread's kind of getting out there, but I think you got to play TCU here. I just think they're the better team. I think they've shown that they're the better team, and I think that they uh, bring it. But, you know, awesome show. I mean, we we just hit on everything in 42 minutes. I think uh, pretty much all the games we wanted to get to have been touched. Uh, I'm going to have a bunch more plays. You can check that out on my bet stamp at rw 33 Guys, I want to give you your chance. Plug the Reign of Troy radio because you guys are doing awesome work. And I know you do your post-game live show. So hopefully um, Saturday's show is entertaining, we'll call it, for maybe different reasons. (laughs) But, yeah, please plug uh, Reign of Troy radio.
1: I mean, it'll be entertaining win or lose for USC. Uh, We'll we'll be over on YouTube at Reign of Troy radio. Look us up there uh, on Twitter at Reign of Troy. You can follow the show there. Um, Yeah, we, we cover USC football. And... Uh, from every angle that you can, and uh, it's going to be a big week for the Trojans going on the road against Utah. And right after the game, we'll be on YouTube to, to talk about it, and Alicia will be <laughs> dropping all of <laughs> her hot takes. Yeah, that's that's
2: the the thing I'll guarantee: win or lose. If if it's a win, I will be ecstatic, and people will get to vibe with me about uh, how happy I am. And if USC loses, I will have a lot to rant about, and that will be fun too.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I see Josh Arena in the chat saying he missed all the USC talk. It's all good. We have the full recap graphic here where I'm going to rattle off a bunch of games and uh, lose my voice here. But let's pull up that full recap graphic and we'll go through all our best bets. So Alicia, she took Utah minus three. Can you believe that Arena Troy radio host going against the Trojans? She laid the three with Utah. Uh, Cal Colorado under 48.5. Iowa State plus 16.5 against Texas. And the Clemson, Florida State under 51 and a half. Michael, he took the USC Utah under 64 and a half, the over 73 in Arizona, Washington, Illinois, plus six and a half against Minnesota, Notre Dame, minus 17 against Stanford. And I took the first half under in USC, Utah, 33. I took the under in Washington state, Oregon state at 53 and a half took Tennessee plus seven and a half against Alabama. And then the Stanford, Notre Dame over 52 and a half. I have a few more best bets in there. Um, if you want to rewind for that, but yeah, that's our show, guys. Big shout out to Joanne Woodcock. She does everything behind the scenes. She is the best in the business. Um, again, if you want to check out the rest of my plays, go to my bet stamp at RW33. There'll be plenty more there. But that's our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Betside YouTube page. Everybody have a profitable week seven. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.